BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I've been told that an artist is in need of constant tragedy to fully express their work. But I'm not an artist. And when I say in a song that doesn't necessarily mean that person is me. And it doesn't mean that I'm just a storyteller. It means whoever or whatever you want. Because everyone has their own definition of specific words. And when you're dealing in the context of music, you can't expect words to have the same meaning as in everyday use of our vocabulary. Because I consider music art. And when I say that song is art... I don't mean in comparison to a painting because I feel the visual arts are not nearly as sacred as the transcribed or audio communication. But it is art, and I feel that this society has lost its sense of what art is. Art is expression. That's from the Kurt Cobain journals. All right. Welcome to Porch Talk. This is Alan. We will introduce the guest here in just a little bit. This is Elvis Presley. I can't help falling in love with you. So it goes 
problems are meant to be Take my hand And take my whole life too For I can't help falling in love with you. What a mess. <laughs> I am back. I am back from the dead. Alright, hey, welcome to Porch Talk. I got Levi on with me again tonight. Tonight we're going to talk NBA and music and whatever else we can think of. So there you go. All right, well, let's oh, yeah. let's go ahead and open up with the NBA. Give me some Raptor news, man. The Raptors decided, and I didn't know that they had this strategy in their back pocket, but evidently, uh, new year, new coach, new strategies. But, but they decided just to never lose a basketball game again. Yeah, so, it's really working for them good so far. I got to tell you, I'm a fan. I was excited about Kawhi coming out. And he's been explosive. Mm-hmm. But DeRozan's done well at the Spurs, so it worked out. Yeah, the Spurs are always just, like, going to be the Spurs. And I realize that doesn't make any sense without context. But, like, they're just going to play solid all the time. They're going to have a good game plan of, like, what they want to do. And they're going to execute it pretty well yeah. most of the time. So even though... They kind of are like not traditional in the sense of the modern NBA right now. They shoot like more mid-range jumpers than typical NBA teams do. They still are like a really good passing team and still play really solid defense. So it's just like, I guess, like kind of in high school football or even college football. Like you play a team that runs like the triple option or whatever, or mm-hmm. the wing tee. Mm-hmm. It's annoying. <laughs> uh, and... You have to work really hard to stop it, but if they execute it well, it's kind of on you to defend it. <laughs> yeah, and if it's executed well, like you better make your possessions count because if they're running out of that old wishbone or they're running the triple option, you're probably not going to have the ball that many times. Exactly. Because it takes a long time to get down the field. You're talking three, four yards of play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was like, I forget what game it was. It was... It's either like Navy or Army or it, Georgia it, Tech or somebody. It was Navy. But like they had a they had an eleven and a half minute drive. That was one of the things I was thinking of. But the <laughs> other one was um, there was a team that played against one of those, and they had the ball for a total of like eighteen minutes, and the other team had it for forty two, and the one that had it for eighteen minutes ended up winning. I was like, how embarrassing is that? Like, yeah. All that work for nothing. Yeah. But, I mean, if you were to take that to a team that is, like, highly explosive, like Oklahoma, that's extremely high-flying, the best way to beat them is to keep their quarterback off the field. Exactly. Like <laughs> in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Alabama, absolutely. Oh, man. Yeah, about, you know, get away from NBA just for a second. Shout-out to LSU, man. Did you watch them last week? They did their throwback 1918 jerseys for when, you know, the football players hung their cleats up to go fight in the war. And um, their helmets were purple, but in the light it would turn gold. It was 
they were swagging it up just like Oregon used to do. Yeah, I and think then I did see that. And then Nicky Fitz went on to throw five interceptions. <laughs> yes. Yeah, pretty good. Oh, the rappers are on right now. Yes, they are. Oh. So how do you feel about the LSU game? Not to jump straight into that, but just want to ask your opinion. Dude, it it depends on what time of the day it is, really. I've, I've thought about that a lot. What I'm going to say is extremely obvious. I believe I, I got I got three scenarios. Mm-hmm. Alabama could go down there and do what they've been doing all season and score, you know, 21, 28 points in the first quarter and just steamroll. Or I mean, LSU, I mean, because what I'm thinking is their best defensive player is out for the first half, and and to me that wasn't even targeting. He led with his hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I I didn't like that call. I didn't like it either, but um, but I, I think that's, an, that's another topic. And yeah, I, I don't like where all that targeting crap is going. But so I, I think Bama could steamroll. I believe that's what's going to happen. I don't think it's going to be um, a two uh, have to play the fourth quarter. He may though. I mean, I don't know how well Hertz is doing with his recovery. So, and he had that minor surgery on that. He had a really bad sprain last week. That rushing touchdown he had, he got hurt that play. And he kept playing, but he had a high ankle sprain. And so they. That's kind of the thing that Alabama players do. Y'all had a guy a week before that kept playing on a broken foot. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Your foot's broke. It's yeah. like, eh. It'd be all right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but then again, I mean, I don't think. I don't think the LSU is that good. I just think they're extremely dangerous. If, if that makes any sense. It does. So my thoughts right now on the SEC and particularly the West, but I guess that feeds into the East. Yeah, it is the whole SEC. The whole SEC besides Alabama, I have no idea how good they are. Like, with how many teams have lost to how many different teams and how many teams beat different teams in like the East and the West, it's like... It hurts my head to think about it. <laughs> but, like, with Florida losing to Kentucky, right? And then yeah. Kentucky loses to A&M. Florida beats Georgia. Or Florida hadn't played Georgia yet. They play on this weekend. Yeah. Uh, LSU beat the dog mess out of uh, Georgia. Yeah. And then LSU lost to Florida, right? Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea what any of that means. And then you have, like, like Auburn falls to... Tennessee, and then comes back around next week and plays pretty good football against Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. They got beat by State too, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. They were they would have been a three game losing streak if they would have lost Ole Miss. That's why, like, um, AM I think is two and a half point underdog against State this week. I don't agree with that at all. I guess because it's at home. It's, a, it's I think it's at Mississippi State. Yeah, yeah, it's it's in Starville. You said you saying that uh, A and M's favored or they're no, they're underdog. Yeah, see, I don't understand that. I do. I don't think A and M's that good, but I think they're third best in the West after LSU. Yeah, I think them, State, Auburn are all pretty close. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about Auburn because like later in November we could. 
you know, they come to Tuscaloosa and they made drill Alabama. And you can never tell about that. I really think y'all's best shot is going to come from LSU, though, until you get to the playoffs. The playoffs, you just kind of never know. Mm-hmm. But unless y'all play Notre Dame, y'all are going to smoke them. I think Notre Dame, if Notre Dame makes the the playoffs, and I think they do, I don't see them losing, you know, losing a game for the regular season. But it doesn't matter who they play in the playoffs, they'll get smoked. Yeah, I think you're correct on they, that. They'd get smoked by Clemson. Oh, so while we're there, well, I didn't give you my three scenarios. So one, Alabama just rolls. And then two, it, it'll be like hard fault, and I think the game might get into the high teens or in the 20s, and mm-hmm. LSU come out on top. And then like the, the third option is like uh, it's kind of a really tough first half for LSU, maybe maybe like going into halftime it'll be like 24-7. And then second half – LSU settles down, starts playing pretty good defense. They start finding ways to contain, you know, Tua. But he's such an assassin. I just don't think you, it, it doesn't matter if the receiver's open or not with him. So the only thing I think that we don't know yet really is how Tua does against the defense that's good. Yeah, that's true. On all three levels. Yeah. That's the one thing I'm looking for. He does have really good receivers. I just don't think he has as good of a running game as he used to have. I don't, I don't think he runs as well as Jalen does. No, he doesn't. He runs differently than Jalen does, but Jalen just – I mean, Jalen's going to get you six yards every time he takes off. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I think game of the year, perhaps. I, I think maybe game of the week this weekend will be the cocktail party. You have, you know, Georgia and Florida meeting in Jacksonville, neutral site. And I, I don't know what's going to happen. I wouldn't be surprised if Florida won. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't be surprised if Georgia won either. That's that's game of that's game of the weekend for me. Yeah. Final four projections: I have Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and this is where it gets really tricky because Ohio State and Michigan will meet soon, and I think the winner of that will probably be the winner of the Big Twelve. And Big uh, Ten. And if it's and even though you know Michigan's they they lost to Notre Dame, I think that's fine because it was so early and. If yeah. they if they win out, it'll be all right, and I think the committee will take the Big Ten winner, but also Big Twelve. So if if Texas keeps rolling, they have a tough match this weekend, Oklahoma State. If they get past that, now the only thing is West Virginia looked really good. West Virginia. West Virginia looked really good against Baylor. Mm-hmm. Well, it's Baylor, but yeah. yeah, I get what you're saying. But I mean, if you look at you know Texas and Baylor, Texas struggled in the second half. And I'm curious to see like what the quarterback's going to look like when he comes back from the injury. And I think he is starting this weekend with Oklahoma State. He'll be back. That quarterback for your Longhorns is so hard to figure out. Because mm-hmm. it's like week to week he's a completely different player. He really is, and man. He's a million like, out there. It's not even like he just goes from bad to good. It's like he goes from like a medium good astounding runner. To like a uh, medium runner, like medium, like I don't know, regular passer. Like I don't know, he like changes his style of play on a week to week basis. It's weird. Yeah, that's what I was looking at too, because I think my playoff picture looks the same as yours, and it's just like so. If they get to the end of the year and Texas beats West Virginia, and then they go to their little championship game, they'll either have to beat. Oklahoma um, again. Oklahoma again, or West Virginia again, depending on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I hate it be Oklahoma. 
I hate that about the uh, the Big Twelve. Me too. Me, me and Cobb had a conversation about it. He liked the fact that there wasn't a division and that you just take the two best teams. But it's hard to beat the same team twice. Sure it is. Just ask LSU. Mm-hmm. Ask Auburn. Yeah. <laughs> but so let's say the Longhorns do that. Do they put them in over Michigan? Absolutely. I think if if yeah, I think it's Texas year if they do that. And I would love to see like a new team in the playoff. Me too. Even well, if it if it was Mich- if it was Michigan back. or if it was Texas, I would be pleased with either one of them. For sure. Rockets are about to lose, so that's cool. Yeah. So, are you thinking that they'll get Butler? Honestly, I would hate it, but I think I think it would be so dumb if you're Minnesota to turn down that offer. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand you can put protections on picks and whatever, but, hey, you know Butler's leaving, and you know he wants out of there. B, so does everybody else. Like, everybody else in the league knows that he wants out. So if you're getting any offer for anything for him, like, you're not really in a position to be choosy about it. Like, don't take a terrible offer, but four first-round picks, Marquise Chris and uh, Brandon Knight is not terrible for a guy that is going to leave. Mm-hmm. But you'll still have to deal with Melo, right, for a few more years? Well, I'm not trading Melo to him. Yeah, I'm thinking he'll probably be there till retirement. I don't know if he'll last the season, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't want Jimmy Butler. He seems like he's a bad teammate. That's mm-hmm. my opinion. I'd be curious to see how him and Harden got along. <laughs> probably not very well. Him and Chris Paul probably wouldn't get along very well either. So, sounds good, right? Yeah. Sounds like a no-brainer. I don't <laughs> want to give up four first-round picks for that. Lakers finally started playing good basketball. Yeah, I saw they got their first win the other night. Uh-huh. Then they beat Denver last night. Yeah. So, is Denver for real? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they certainly have a lot of pieces, and I think they're really deep. And they play fast, and they have one of the best home court advantages in the NBA. Yeah. So they should win a ton of games at home. Um, they should probably flirt with 50 wins, which should be good enough to get them a top five seed in the West. Yeah, I like uh, you know Nate's out in that area now. He works for Southwest, and he was a guy that caught a couple of the uh, Pelican games with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's been going to Nugget games, so I guess for his sake, you know, I hope they are, so it'll be good basketball to catch. For sure. It would be a real shame if he uh, wanted to buy us a few plane tickets out there to get us seats Yeah. and watch the Nuggets play, I don't know, like the Warriors or yeah. Lakers or something yeah, like that. That would, that would totally It'd suck. It would be terrible. I would hate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I had to bring that up to him next time I talked to him. You know, I'd hate to find out that he bought us courtside tickets. I'd be sick. Yeah. To my stomach. It was so bad, it's like, I would probably be him that night. Because he's, he's kind of obnoxious. Oh, yeah, I'd be wilding out. Yeah, I'd be I'd be wilding out. He he was at the uh, Thunder game that night. We we caught Westbrook ca- catching that uh, triple-double. <laughs> and he was heckling Westbrook, man. It was so funny. Was he? Yes. Because he, he doesn't like Westbrook. <laughs> I can see that. 
I'm for him, but you know that though. I like Westbrook a lot. <laughs> He's probably my favorite player in the league. I was gonna ask you that. It would be between him and the Greek freak. I was gonna ask you your top five players that you like to watch the most. Okay. Yeah. So there's two. Uh, for whatever reason. Kawhi now for my team and he's been a lot of fun to watch since he's been out there. Kawhi. He was he was fun to watch at the Spurs. And then I like watching Harden. Number five, Cousins. Just because he's so emotional. <laughs> I think mine are, uh, I don't know if I have anyone on my team that I like that is in the top five. Is that bad? Probably not a good sign. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, that's all right, though. I'm going to go with uh, Joel Embiid. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I caught them the other night when um, it was... There was a triple double on both teams. It was Simmons and uh, uh, Westbrook. Simmons and Westbrook. I, I watched that game. Yeah, the, the Embiid is fun to watch. He just talks so much crap, <laughs> and he's really good. And he's like doing Euro steps, and he's seven foot two. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know that how that's physically possible, but he does it. Then I like uh, the Greek Freak. I like Giannis a lot. Just because, like, how can you clean jump over a man on an alley-oop and, like, act like nothing happened? I don't think anybody um, dunks angrier than he does in the league right now. Westbrook. Okay, yeah, those well, true. Those are, <laughs> and those are my two favorite for that reason. But I don't know, when they, when they slam it down, it's like, lose my mind. <laughs> the, the rim has done something very offensive toward both of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but they're taking it out on every time. I go Embiid, Giannis, Anthony Davis. Okay. Just because of his ability to just take over completely. Mm-hmm. Curry has got to be up there. When Curry is on fire, I don't know. There's nothing else you can really watch. Like <laughs> that is that level of just. I'm gonna do something really stupid, but it's gonna go in. Like he had 51 the other night. Did you see any of that? I caught the um, I caught the highlights that uh, NBA put up. Yeah, fifty one and three quarters. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that he didn't even play four. Like it was um, yeah. what it was close to his previous record. I think he didn't break a record. No, his previous was fifty four. I think against the Knicks, like the year before, he was even. I think he made his first All Star team that year, but I don't know. That's crazy. And fifth, I don't know, probably be Patrick Beverly. <laughs> I, I love Patrick Beverly. I was watching him the other night for the Clippers, and he was still up to his old onset of just calling people's B-word. and <laughs> <laughs> Doing all kinds of stuff. <laughs> you saw where uh, Chris Paul got in a fight with Rondo? Uh-huh. Yeah. Shall do so yeah, at, did you notice who the who in the crowd got involved? Kiedis. Uh, Anthony Kiedis. Yeah, that that blew me away. I was like, "Why are you out there, man?" <laughs> no, he, he was he was down the ground. Yeah, no, he was he was ready for all comers. Yeah, <laughs> that shocked me. I, I saw that the next day. I was like, "What? Why? Why are you out there, Red Hot Chili Pepper?" Well, um, Flea, the bass player, is like. The second biggest Lakers fan of all time after Jack Nicholson. Really? Yes. 
Yes, really. Didn't know that. Really, like, every time they go to the playoffs or every time they – I remember their last championship, he was the uh, the national anthem guy for at least one of their home games. And then he did the national anthem for, I think, Kobe's last home game. <laughs> he got up there and did the national anthem just for on the on the base. That's what I was about to say. Was it just him and a base? <laughs> mm-hmm. Doing a real fine job. Yeah. He loves it. Let me ask you this while while we're there. What genre would you put Red Hot Chili Peppers in? I don't think it's rock. It's something else to me. They're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Alan, so obviously it's rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, then they, they play on, like, when you listen to a rock station, they're on that station. But it, it was always, they were always extremely unique to me. Yeah, because they do a lot of, like, I don't know, I mean, they do. A, they pull a lot from a lot of different stuff. So, mm-hmm. like, they've got some stuff that's more like even bluesy, mm-hmm. and and sometimes it's poppy. Yeah, a lot of times I'm just gonna say pop, but like they don't. I don't think they really fit into pop rock. It's like it's like what genre would you put Modest Mouse in? You just kind of wouldn't. Yeah, I would say alternative would be as close as you could get. Exactly. I'd I'd say that about the Chili Peppers too. Okay, so it'd fall in the alternative genre. Yeah, so like, I don't like I didn't, I didn't have a problem like saying it's you know just rock and just putting that big wide label, but I was like, when you get down to the nitty gritty, if you really want to describe Chili Peppers as somebody that has never heard them, how would you describe that? Well, how would you describe like Band of Horses? It's indie. Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> They are, like, they are the greatest like indie rock band of all time, and that is all you need to know. <laughs> that, oh yeah. That's like how I feel about, I don't know, <laughs> I feel like Taking Back Sunday is very clearly defined as like punk or alternative rock. Yeah. Like it's one of those two. Yeah. And, but they don't really have anything that ranges outside of any of that. Yeah. So... I don't know, but the Chili Peppers, it's not like, oh, yeah, they're definitely this. Mm-hmm. Oh, Kiedis. Like Metallica. Yeah, Kiedis was ready to throw it down. <laughs> I, I dare want you to test me. Um, they said Mayweather. Mayweather's in the crowd, ready to go. <laughs> I think Nipsey Hussle, the rapper, <laughs> he was there ready to go. I don't know, it was a good time at Ball, it seemed like. And Drake was probably in Toronto. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Drake. It was funny seeing that somebody had made a meme. I don't know if you saw it. I know you've been off of uh, social media for a little while. But yeah. after after the McGregor fight, someone made a meme. It had, um, you know, Drake at a Raptors, you know, press conference or whatever, mm-hmm. repping them. It had, uh, you know, that picture of... Drake repping McGregor, mm-hmm. and then it was like a picture of like I can't remember the other sport that he's behind, but it was like, ain't it funny how every team that Drake represents or a person they fail? It's true. I know he was big friends with like Odell Beckham, and he's kind of having the worst year of his life. Yeah, yeah, they've uh, I, I saw. A little bit on him on ESPN the other day. They're really making him out to be like the ultimate bad guy right now. 
he's just like asking, please, can I have a better quarterback? And I'm like, no. <laughs> he doesn't need to be talking in the media about it too much. But Mm-mm. You know, and if I was Eli, what I would do for now on for him, I would hang him out to dry every time I threw it to him. He was doing that anyway. <laughs> out to drive by these linebackers and safeties. Thanks, mm. Eli. Eli should be fine to go, though. Just be like, listen, pay me some money and I'll go away. Y'all can get a new quarterback. It's fine. Because, you know, he's the second highest paid NFL player of all time. Right behind Tom Brady? No. Ooh, who's he Tom behind? Brady's like, Tom Brady's like fifth or sixth. Really? Yeah. Um, who's number one? Number, number one. He's got the same last name. Oh, Peyton. Mm-hmm. Dude, I love that commercial he put out after Drew put his broke his record. It's so good. <laughs> oh, hey, I'm Drew. He can, like, I just want you to know these these past three years of my life have been the the greatest, and uh, <laughs> I just want to say thanks for breaking my record and for the record of mine that you're about to break. He just got his five hundred. Passing touchdown last game, right? Mm-hmm. Sure did. It just happened. I'm not sure how many he needs to break Peyton's record, but I'm, I know it's not very much. Mm-mm. He's almost there. And barring injury, he'll get it this year. Mm-hmm. And good for Drew, man. Like, <laughs> it's it's crazy, man. He is, like, one of the most, like, under-the-radar quarterbacks of all time to me mm-hmm. when it comes to, like, pro football. Yeah, he's definitely the shortest uh, – Quarterback to ever throw 500 touchdowns. <laughs> Can't take that from him. Considering there's only two of them. But well, all right. Was there I anything guess. else going on in the NBA that you wanted to bring up? I think uh, the Bucks are still undefeated, but... I don't know how long it'll last. It'd be last. pretty cool to see uh, Giannis win MVP this year. Either Giannis or Anthony Davis, I think, will win MVP. Giannis or who? Anthony Davis. The Brow. The Brow. What about his future? You think he's going to keep hanging around New Orleans, or is he getting ready to go? It doesn't sound like he's hanging around. Yeah. He's only ever played with one all-star, and he got to play with him for precisely one and a half years before they let him leave. Mm-hmm. So, not great. Yeah. I hate that for him. Like, he, he, he should already have, like, a couple of rings, man. He should have at least had some better teammates, but... <laughs> Yeah, it seems like if he was anywhere else, it would have been more productive. I know. But it's the old Kevin Garnett thing. Like, I mean, how long do you stick around for a franchise that has proven they can't help you out? Yeah. Like, And Garnett was probably a little too loyal to Minnesota when he was there. Ended up getting traded to Boston when he finally won his ring. But yeah. Garnett, like, because he played in Minnesota and because... They were so, like, they weren't bad, but, like, they weren't going deep into the playoffs. Like, he's one of those guys that's 
his career just would we would look at him completely different if he played for like the Knicks or like LA or somebody that was going to be able to to help him out. Yeah. But since he was stuck on those teams, like we're like, yeah, I mean he was good, but I mean he's not Tim Duncan. Right. Which I would still say that I don't know. I'd probably say Garnett was better than Duncan. A lot of people would disagree, but Duncan had like. A million times better coaching and ownership situation, so you don't really know how that would work out. Yeah, even with Davis out at uh, New Orleans, I mean, it was you were always going to have a good time if he was playing that night. So, oh, yeah. I, I, so I was glad, just proximity to us, that we can go catch a good basketball game and see a superstar. Mm-hmm. That's cool. But for him, I just I, th- I think it would be better because I think it's going to be kind of the same thing with what you were talking about with Garnett is. You ain't gonna get you ain't gonna get roped down in history the way it should have been. Mm-mm. I mean, it's like maybe even like a Dan Marino type thing. Like Dan Marino might have been the best quarterback ever, but his organization was never able to like feel the defense at all. Like they were like, "Well, we got all these good offensive players," and someone was like, "Hey, coach, what about defense?" And they're like, "Uh, what about it?" Well, we'll we'll let the other team play that. We'll work on offense. Like, okay, we lost this game 48-52 to 52 again, but I don't know. Like, if Dan Marino had two or three rings, like, we'd be like, oh, he was the greatest quarterback of all time. <laughs> That's a crazy conversation to open up, man. <laughs> and that is, that is a great way to get some hot blood going. Is it? <laughs> I think, man, I see a lot of people getting fired up over the GOAT. I, I don't think it's fair. Uh, it's a fair question. I don't, I don't know how you compare that, you know? Yeah, I mean, because I know he's in a he was in a different offense or whatever, but he was playing in the eighties and he was putting up five thousand yards. Yeah, like, that just like I don't know, it's not supposed to happen. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it didn't happen. Like Troy Aikman's in the Hall of Fame and he was throwing for like three thousand yards a year on a good year. Dan Marino was just doing stuff that people didn't do on a regular basis until now, which is thirty years later. And some people are still like John Elway was better. Like why? Because he was a winner. Like, okay, well, there's 22 people that get to play, like, football. So, I mean, and you're not on defense. John Elway also had Charles Davis whenever he won his Super Bowls. So, I don't know. It's uh, every Alabama fan I talk to, though, they know who the best quarterback of all time is. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. That's that Hawaiian dude. (laughs) Somebody told me the other day, I really think if you could just put Bama's offense on the field against the NFL team right now, like the Raiders or something, they would would hang tight with them. It's like, what are you talking about? People have been saying that for years, like four years, and I was like, that is so stupid to say. Are you serious? (laughs) It is. It's a totally different level of football. Do you not watch it? It's also the same exact people who tell me that the reason they don't, well, that they don't watch pro football. And I'm like, well, why not? It's the best players from the best teams in college or the best players off of any team. They're like, yeah, but they're in it for the money. I'm like, why do you think the guys are playing in college? So they can go earn money. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's how they prove they should be able to earn money playing football. Yeah, those those were the proven grounds. It's it started at high school, and they were working really hard 
to get to a college to where maybe a pro team could see him. <laughs> Listen, if you really like this player in college and he's really good for your team, there's a chance you might even get to watch him on Sundays. Imagine that. Yeah. One year he's playing for your team on Saturday, and the next year he's playing for a different team on Sunday. You can still watch him. <laughs> still look at him. Yep. Unless he's A.J. McCarron. Yeah. I don't know if he'll ever start. It's not looking good. I don't know. Carr could get hurt, I guess, in Oakland. But yeah. Because they sure aren't protecting him there. Now we don't have anyone to throw to you. So. Yeah. Yeah, they got it's off Amari. I thought that was stupid. Well, Gruden's doing the whole rebuild thing. So as of right now, they've got three first-round picks for next year's draft, which is good. Where do they want to start with the line? I think that's a good place they, they should start. Because that's what I think when I last right. watched them. I was like, you know, if you built an offensive line, that would be really cool. Or get a couple of defen- inside defensive guys. Yeah. Well, they had um, Khalil Mack that they traded for a first-round pick. And a first... I think they got two first-round picks out of that one, actually. So the reason, like, you would do that is because Khalil Mack needed to get paid soon. And he was a one-time or two-time defensive player of the year already. But he's traded basically most of his best players already. But the reason you trade Khalil Mack is because it wasn't going to be cost-efficient to have him on the team if they were going to suck anyway. So you don't want to pay somebody $15 million a year for no reason, right? Absolutely. So they got two first-round picks out of it, but now they, they really need an edge rusher because he was like the best one in the league, arguably. Yeah. What about- it is crazy. He came out the same year uh, Clowney did. That's where I was about to go, dude. I was about to go out to Houston. I think they had the best defensive line. Nah. It looks pretty good. It does look pretty good. Oh, J.J. Watts, what, tied for the lead lead in sacks? I'm very happy and surprised that he's back from his injury mm-hmm. and looking how good he does. Mm-hmm. And then Clowney's out there now. Yeah. Clowney, every week he does something that's like, that shouldn't be humanly possible to do that to another person. Yeah. But he, he does it. But I think I, I like watching you, I like watching the, uh, White and uh, Clowney a lot more though. I guess I'll say that it's the best in my eyes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because it's fun. Yes. They're they're Although, ridiculous. The other week when uh, Aaron Donald had four sacks in a game from an interior lineman position was pretty good. <laughs> I don't understand it either. And Donald, I think, came out the same year Watt did. I want to say. I think that draft was actually like Von Miller, J.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, and Alden Smith, who used to be a really good pass rusher, still till he decided that he loved drugs a whole lot. Rotad. Played for, played for the Niners. And then that year also was, I think that was 2011. Who came out that year? I think that was also Odo Beckham, Sammy Watkins, <laughs> um, Kelvin Benjamin, Jarvis Landry. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good draft. Yeah. It's been this way sidetracked. It's all good, dude. You want to move off into the, the music realm? Oh, I'll move. I'm for it. I want to ask you this question. Yeah, I know okay. what band is going to come to your mind. <laughs> what are your thoughts on, like, 
a band coming out extremely hot and the freshman album just being fire straight through. And then they come out sophomore album and we hit what's called sophomore slump, just like you would with an athlete. And so what a what do you what do you think some of the causes of that is? Um, or better yet, we start with this. What what band am I talking about? <laughs> MGMT. Yeah, there you go. Management. <laughs> is that the one you were thinking of? Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that is the no, one. I... Anytime you come out and publicly apologize for something, you know yeah. you know you were not on a good start. On, well, on the right track. Okay, they're one, and the other one I have is kind of controversial because everybody loves this other band. I'm not gonna say it yet. But I will say one of the things that maybe perhaps causes it is just, I guess, stuff going to your head. But, like, all of MGMT's first uh, album, it seemed like they were, like, writing for themselves. Like, yeah, the way that their lyrics are and stuff. And definitely were not trying too hard. It seemed like they are really doing what they enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I mean, songs like Time to Pretend, you can tell they're just... I mean, they loved doing what they were doing. Weekend Wars. Uh, yeah, Weekend Wars. Amazing song. Like, on that album, that was like one of the most overlooked songs when I, you know, talked to people about that album. I'd be like, what about this one? They'd be like, I never really paid a whole lot of attention to it. Yeah, dude, check that one out. Weekend Wars is my favorite song to play off of that album. And Kids is on that album. So that should tell you something. Mm-hmm. Electric and Fields Electric on that Fields. album. Yeah, Electric Field is insanely good. How would you rank those songs? So there's Kids, Time to Pretend, Electric Field, and Weekend Wars. What's your one through four? Weekend War, mm-hmm. Electric Field, Kids, Time to Pretend. I think I'd swap Electric Field and Time to Pretend. Okay. But super close by a lot. Yeah, those and I, those songs I think on the album they went one, two, three, four, like the first and those those were burners. And then the rest of the album was good too. I don't even know that. <laughs> I don't think I even ever just like listened to that album straight through. It just may, those four. It, it may take you a, a couple of times with them backtracks. Oh really? But I, I got to a point to where I could listen to the whole thing. But I mean, it was it was those front four that was just well. I know the first twelve minutes of this car ride is going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what uh, what other band I think fits that description? It's, it might get me fired from my job, but I say it anyway. Go for it. Um, Matchbox Twenty. That ain't gonna get me. No, that doesn't get you fired. <laughs> no. Everybody loves Matchbox 20, though. And I don't know if they truly, like, love Matchbox 20 or if they just say, like, I love Matchbox 20. But there's also probably only, like, three songs they can name of them. And they're all off their first album. What are those three? Well, I only know two. Push and 3AM. Yeah. And then... Those are the main two that people know when they think about Matchbox. Yeah, and but I mean, in their defense, I guess those songs are really, really good. Mm-hmm. My favorite song is a low key one. Uh, it's called Cody. Yeah, I never heard it. It's 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 a pretty good song. Of 
Yeah, it, they may be overrated. I, they hit music in their style, and Rob Thomas, you ever listen to Rob Thomas by himself? <laughs> Just that one song. Yeah. And it's not even by himself. The one he did with Santana. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which... My sister had that Santana album where he was just did a bunch of collabs and stuff. The one that Rob Thomas was on. Yeah. Some of those songs are good. Was Some it? of those songs suck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rob Thomas, he's a, he's like, well, I guess it's like that with every single artist there is. It's going to be hit or miss. You'll either love it or you'll hate it. Mm-hmm. And on, on, the, on the back side... And I may be in the uh, minority, but I, I don't think I am. Uh, I would say the worst band of all time would be Nickelback. The worst band? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Man, <laughs> they're really bad. It's just there are other bands that are really committed to being terrible, too. <laughs> Such it- as... Rascal Flats. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, they, every time I listen, a song of theirs comes on. I get so mad. I get fired up. I, t- I, I cover uh, one of their songs now, but it's it's not them. And I, I learned this story through Aaron Lewis. Uh, what Hurts the Most? Yeah, that's not their song. Yeah. So None of their good songs are their songs. <laughs> ironic <laughs> but i was watching aaron lewis and he kind of told the story and like when he started playing it i immediately knew the song but i i didn't hear it play like that and then he stopped and he kind of shared the story he's like i think he's i think he was uh in nashville he's, i was i was at a bar in nashville and um I, you know i met the guy who wrote this song playing this song and you know when he when i got done i was talking to him about it and you know I'm about to play it the way this song was intended. And I was like, oh, wow, I, I, like, the, I, I like the song now. I think I've seen that video. It was on, was it bouncing around Facebook there for a minute? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's an incredibly good rendition. It's almost as if it's better to, <laughs> to play the song the way the guy that heard it wanted it to be played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like original intention. Yeah. But like with Nickelback... We'll it was it's a good it was a funny conversation man we we were uh, me and a coworker was on a conversation about nickelback and you know 999 that's a local rock station here and i think photograph come on and like we both cringed and cut the radio off <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, i was like man i can't believe this garbage is still playing and he was like i got to tell you though have you ever met a nickelback fan and i was like like a handful he's like mhm now most of their albums go platinum he was like, so there are a lot of undercover Nickelback fans, but he said they are the most hated band. But they sure do have a lot of fans somewhere that are really secretive about it. It makes you wonder about the demographic of like their album sales. It really does. Like, who are these people? I want to meet them. Like, a, I've only met like a handful of people my age that admit to it. I know they're out there, <laughs> but I, I have not found this group. And that's one of my reasons why I like Dan Arbach and the Black Keys so much. In an interview one time, they were kind of talking about the Black Keys, and Dan Arbach just said he, he was being facetious, but maybe not. He was like, we're here to save rock and roll because Nickelback killed it. 
<laughs> and I was like, I'm permanently a fan because I could not agree more. Might not win me any fans. I, Black Keys is another one of the bands that I have a hard time just getting into. Mm. I don't know if they're too concepty for me or if they're just too good of musicians for me, but uh, it's just hard. Jack um, White punked out the drummer. Jack White punked out all of my thought. Yeah. I think I think it was said you're not doing anything that I couldn't do better. <laughs> but I I don't I don't think it was like off. I think like they were really making a whole lot of noise and like everybody else in the rock community was like, "Yeah, yeah, we get it." Yeah. And I, I do feel a little bit of uh I think Jack White gets a little bit jealous, which uh is fine, I think, like if you're a competitive person. Like, I think it's okay to be competitive, and Jack White has every right to want all of the recognition that he deserves, I suppose. He's the most unknown, known rock star, maybe. Because, like, the entire world knows Seven Nation Army, but not many people know who it's by. I love the story behind Seven Nation Army, too. The sound check? Yeah. Go ahead and tell that one. (laughs) Where he's telling the story about his... uh, How it came to be? Yeah, he was like, I picked out this riff or whatever, and uh, I was doing it during sound check. <laughs> Ask my sound guy, hey, hey, what do you think of this? And played the little doom, 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 doom. And just kept doing that, you know, and showed him what he had, and the sound guy goes, nah, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the most repeated little riff of all time. Yeah, turn on any soccer game in the world anywhere. And oh, I yeah, bet that song right. comes on sometime. If you go from here to anywhere around the world, like, they do it. Mm-hmm. They did it at the freaking World Cup. Yep. Whichever one you want to talk about, like, they did it at that World Cup. Mm-hmm. They do it at every MLS game. They and, do it at every... And every, game. every head is going to be rocking, and those feet are going to be moving, because everybody gets down to Seven Nation Army. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I go to Wichita. <laughs> what? Why? I love it. Just what I do. <laughs> but I think with like the the sophomore slumps, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Is like you were doing it for yourself, and I think it come from. Let's just say right now, like twenty seven, twenty eight years old. Mm-hmm. The first album was twenty seven, twenty eight years in the making. For sure. And then the next one, whether it takes six months, a year, two years, well, a bit. If the first album really took off, and I'm, this is just hypotheticals, but my lifestyle is going to change because of it. Yeah. And I'm not. And you also get like the label or the industry in your ear, like, hey, this is what people are really wanting right now. And this is the direction some people are going in. You might want to consider adding in like a tambourine or blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. That's like. You start listening too many cooks in the kitchen, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got a lot of things going on, and it it comes it like being real to other people becomes a whole lot harder because you have a lot of people in your ear telling you what they think people want to hear. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you're you you're not, that. and then you're not living it anymore yourself because you're kind of you're you're in kind of a rock star lifestyle now, and that can mm-hmm. come with a lot of different things. You can see that really blatantly in rap music. Like Kanye specifically, I guess, since I know the most of his lyrics, or his like his first album, he was talking about like inner city living and things like that. How he's 
still down with Jesus and stuff and how how sometimes he spends money that he doesn't have or because he wants to appear like he's got more than what he really does because he's self-conscious and stuff like this. And then, like, the last album he's talking about, like, I bought a $3 million painting. Yeah, I can't relate to that. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> or, <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess you get disconnected from reality a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think there's a disconnect in your audience as well. <laughs> Because, I mean, how many people can relate to inner city living? <laughs> yeah, or, I mean, how many people can relate to, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to go buy this because it's uh, it's a social status. Exactly. That's the one of the lines from uh, All Falls Down off his first album. He says, I spent 400 bucks on this just to be like, man, you're not up on this. And he says something about, um, we're all self-conscious. I'm just the first to admit it. Which maybe not true, but like that's the whole thing he's talking about is like uh, people doing things like to appear like they have more. Like tells the story of uh, some girl who like can't afford to go to college, and then they said uh, she's so precious with her peer pressure, couldn't afford a car, so she named her daughter Alexis. I was like, that's a pretty clever line. But um, yeah. uh, do you get it? Do you get it? Do you yeah. get the joke? Yeah, I get the joke. Yeah. It's like that uh, on that one with uh, Erase Me. Like, he named the, the chick Aria. <laughs> and then at the end, the ending line was, I hope you die, Aria. And it was like a two for one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this one's for free. Yeah. Yeah. So he named his daughter, named her daughter Alexis. Because that was something that she was never going to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some really good lines in that. And then the, the last album is like, I don't know. It sucks. <laughs> Maybe, maybe I'm just bitter because I wanted it to be good and it really wasn't, but yeah, I don't know. There's no substance there, but like I was thinking about like lyric writing and stuff like that. And I think the good stuff comes from like person to person relationships and stuff like that, like experiences you can have in the real world and things like that. Like the ones that just speaking personally like the ones that i do right that have anything to do with anything that aren't just the ones that turn out good are either something like i've personally dealt with or something that somebody i know close has dealt with personally like because mm-hmm. i can speak to it and know what i'm talking about or at least have a feeling about it and not just like trying to create something out of nothing yeah i think that's a big part of it and like for the start of this episode Cobb gave me Kurt Cobain's journal. He's used this for the show. It's got some really good things in it. And it's crazy you brought that up, not even knowing it. Is He was talking about songwriting and what it meant to him to be a songwriter. And like the beginning line of it just kind of give you an idea. It was, you know, like words suck. There's, there's only so many ways to put something that someone else already hasn't said about it. That 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 line wasn't in the introduction, but that goes with what you were saying. But he also said that the whole thing about being an artist, and especially when you're writing music, I'm not saying when I write a song that I'm writing about myself, and I'm not just a storyteller either. The words that are written, they're defined by you. You you either been here or you know someone who's been here, and you can use these words and define them the way that you define them because they supersede everyday vocabulary at this point. Yeah, that's like the uh, the ghost face quote that I shared with you one time. Um, 
<laughs> this is a ridiculous thing to say. Yeah. But um, uh, Ghostface Killer said uh, he was talking about just art in general. And it was like people were asking him about his lyrics. Like, man, I don't understand your lyrics sometimes. And when people tell me that, I like, I don't, I don't really care. He's like, because there are these abstract paintings out there. You might not know what it is. The next person might not know what it is. But guess who does know what it is? The guy that painted it. Yeah. He's like, so, that's how I feel about my songs. If you don't know what it means, I could care less. He's like, it'd be great if you did. But guess what? I know what it means. So that's that's what I care about as an artist. Like, I'm just expressing myself in this way. Like, because that's how I know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, and it is, it is great. Like, if you're a songwriter and what you're trying to say does make sense, like, to more than just you, that would be great. But if you don't want it to, it doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. If you do want it to and you fail at it, like, that's also okay because, heck, it's art. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter anyway. Like, it's, it's just there to be art. Yeah. And it does have value, I feel like, to where, like, some of our favorite artists, like, uh, uh, Andy Hall from Manchester Orchestra his right away great captain stuff yeah. that does not always make sense to me but no it doesn't if, I'm eating if seaweed it, from a well named Emily exactly but if he wrote it down and he felt a certain type of way about it felt strongly about it enough to record it and put it out there for the world I feel like he means something by it so he has a, a line in uh, where have you been Oh, yeah, he says, when you look at me, I'll be digesting your legs. Yeah. It's like, okay. But he says it, like, in such a way that you feel like it's really important. Mm-hmm. And then right after he says that, he says, because I can hardly see what's in front of me these days and those days, too. You're like, well, he's obviously, like, <laughs> like something's going on with this dude, so I don't know what the whole legs thing means, but. Yeah, it was important enough for him to include it right before this super important part of the song. So mm-hmm. um, that song is killer anyway. I th- it's I, it's all in his voice, man. It's dramatic. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, just yeah. about every line in that song. If you were to just read it by itself, you'd be like, "What?" Yeah, it opens up with "They call holidays an option for a reason." I've never heard anyone call holidays an option, but okay. <laughs> Yeah. I'll take your word for it. I've been catching all your ghosts for every season. I pray to God you don't come back here anymore. Do you pray with him too? <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about, but he definitely feels strong. He feels very strongly about it. Yeah. <laughs> I have uh, other bands that I, I used to listen to. I don't listen to them anymore. Um, say anything. Max Bemis. He is one of those guys. And like, when you name your band Say Anything, he definitely lived up to that. Because there is no line he will not cross. Mm-hmm. He has it like one of my favorite songs that they've done. It's called Cemetery. The lyrics in that song, and like it depends on what version. Because when you get to the bridge, oh, uh, like you'll either you'll get one version which is really heavy, and if you'll get another version which is really heavier and like extremely sad. <laughs> but it's extremely real. They had a song called Crush. The first one I've. I had heard of them. I was like, the guy who was showing it to me played it. He was like, what do you think? I was like, this sounds like like one of those pop bands. It's like, I thought they were a different kind of band. He's like, he's being ironic. I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. I, I did not understand that at all. Mm-hmm. But 
That's that's why I like say anything. I, I've I was I listened to them for probably about ten years, and that was the whole thing because everything that he talked about in say anything, like one of my favorite lines from a song on that album was, "Mountain Man, brag about your band to me. You got me hot with all those snide remarks about my poetry." <laughs> <That's> pretty good <laughs> and it goes on and he's talking about like he makes fun of like what that guy's words about his band means to him he said they uh, scar my slightly chubby arms like brightly lit cigars <laughs> pretty good yeah he was uh, um, he was very good with his lyrics extremely explicit me, <laughs> I'll put that yes, out there very much so let me ask you this mm-hmm and I brought up this question before. I don't know with you or or not. I know I've put it out on Twitter before I took my little hiatus. What band? And this is it's going to be tough to just answer it. So I'll just, I'm not going to grade you on it or anything. But, and listeners, if you're listening, you can also reply with your answer to this question on Alan's Facebook page. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The Porch yeah. Talk page. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or the Instagram. So pick a band that to you has the strongest group of five songs does not have to be on the same album does not have to be in the same even decade let's just say like these are their best five songs or my favorite of their best five songs and they've got the best group of five out of any band i think of all time i'm gonna let you answer first and then i'm gonna answer with my number one and then a, a wild card all right number one led zeppelin okay and I gotta give the five songs. When the Levee Breaks, Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You, Ramble On, uh, Communication Breakdown, Days and Confused. And I mean, okay. six, Immigrant Song. I mean, I could add one of that. There's not a lot of Led Zeppelin songs I don't like. And so I, I, do, I do like to get the lead out. And I know they're a controversial band because my favorite song by them, Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You, that was wrote by Ann uh, Boyklin, if I'm saying her last name right. Probably butchered it. But she wrote that, I think, in 67 or 68, and it was on Led Zeppelin 1 in 69, and I, I want to say it was completely ripped off, <laughs> along with a lot of other of that things. But well, it's rumored that Stairway to Heaven is, a, is ripped off. Would not be surprised. That, that's not even a top 10 song for me. That's a lot of... A lot of times, that's the way people are introduced to Led Zeppelin, but that is nowhere near my favorite Led Zeppelin song. That's like toward the bottom. I hate to interrupt. Yeah. Brad Bill's back of his head just hit a uh, camera. See, I. Oh, it was acting like it hurt really bad. <laughs> now he seems like he's going to be all right. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, that's fine. Breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, bleeding pretty good, I think, but he'll be okay. Uh, number two, Band of Horses. <laughs> yeah, I'm very shocked by that. Okay, so uh, Casual Party, No yeah. One's Gonna Love You, The Funeral, mm-hmm. The General Specific, and... Mm-hmm. Ooh, plug in the band. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, you have a vested interest in that song. Yes, and maybe Detlef Shrimp or Shrimp. How do you say it? How's the last name? Shrimp. Mm-hmm, Shrimp. It's like shrimp, but with an F on the end, somehow. I'll never get it wrong again now. Shrimp. I got it. Yeah. (laughs) And and the list list goes on with that. I mean, I could say, uh, found it in the drawer, uh, Salomo, throw my mess. Because I like that. Uh, 
yeah, I go to the Born Because I Like, yeah, uh, Monsters. I've got every one of their albums, and I can listen to every album all the way through and not touch the radio. That, that's that's my band. <laughs> so is that you're saying that those bands have have the best collection of five, mm-hmm. or you out of any band? Oh, I'm kind of doing any band, but I would say a good collection of five as well, though. I think that's a both end. Okay. Uh, well, taking taking back Sunday, I put them yeah, on the list. Okay. Here's my two bands that are number one, and number two. I think first one you're gonna be like, oh yeah, definitely. Okay. Second one you're gonna be like, hmm, but I can see it. Okay. All right. Number one. Let me uh, let me name the songs. Another one bites the dust. Okay. Bohemian Rhapsody. Don't stop me now. Somebody to love. Somebody to love. Talking about old Freddie five. Mercury. We will rock you. We are the champions under pressure. Under uh, pressure. You're my best friend, and that bottle girls and your queen all tied for fifth. Yeah, and so we're talking about Queen. Yeah. Good pick. Good pick. Yeah, they have an insane hits list. Mm-hmm. And plus their movie's coming out here pretty soon. Yeah, November second. Like, I don't know how you do how you do that. Because <laughs> like, all of those songs, like you can say like, man, I really like Freddie Mercury's voice, which would just be wrong of a, a person to have that opinion. But they're just an incredible band. I don't know how you're, how you're able to do that, what they did. Because mm-hmm. it's not even like they're, like Blink-182, I would say, maybe is like a top 10 band in terms of like Hits. having songs that people know. Everybody pretty much knows at least one or two Blink-182 songs. All the small things are rock show. Yes. Damn. Dang it. Yeah. Yeah. That one too. But, or I Miss You. Yeah. That would be one of the big ones. They, uh, the first song I ever learned how to play was theirs. Stay Together for the Kids. Like, that was the first song I learned how to play all the way through. But none of their songs are, like, really, really difficult. Like, Mm -mm. at all. No, they weren't. Um, All of Queen's junk is tough. Like, all of Queen's stuff is, like, composed by, like, freaking a classical music person. Yeah. I mean, with, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know that I would even say that, like, We Will Rock You is that simple of a song to play. If you, if you did maybe, like, a bare bones cover, but if you wanted to cover it legit, I don't think it would be that simple. I don't know, then they also have stuff that's, like, just stupid, like, Bicycle Race. Yeah. Like, that's a dumb song, but it's still tough, like, and it still gets caught in your head. Yeah. Under Pressure is a really good song. Yeah. Don't ever forget what Vanilla Ice done for it. (laughs) How did he get away with doing that again? I don't know. So there was like one note difference or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. When, whenever I hear one, I, my mind, I was like, oh, which one is this? Okay. Oh, never mind. Mm-hmm. Never mind. There's the missing note. <laughs> mm-hmm. The judge probably heard it and he was like, you know what? This song freaking goes. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's let him use it. You had me at stop and collaborate. <laughs> I'm already Just doing like, it. Oh, hey, wait a minute. This sounds like Queen. So stop. Collaborate and listen. It's like, oh yeah, we've got my toes a tapping. Yeah, ice listen is back. Where'd he go? <laughs> What's he got? A new mission. Hmm. Where's uh, it gonna stop? I don't know. <laughs> Turn off the lights. He'll glow. I love vanilla ice. I like he, how he's fully embraced his one-hit wonderness. <laughs> Might as well. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. I was talking about a band the other day that I was really disappointed in. I thought they were going to do really well. Have you ever heard of uh, Middle Class Rut? No. See, 
they had one song, man. It was called New Low, and uh, it blew up. And then I never heard anything else. They put up, they put out one more song, I think, that got radio play, but it was nothing compared to New Low. One hit wonders. <laughs> I've got I've got one real quick. <sighs> I would have to put, I would have to put Rush on there. You think so? Like I, I'm not the biggest Rush fan, but I gotta say, man, like you you know Rush the minute you hear Rush. Like when Tom Sawyer comes on or Spirit of Radio, and I like the I like what's behind the song. Like Spirit of Radio is one of my favorite stories. Like it is behind the behind the song. It's talking about how it's music and its realness is. That that's the spirit of radio, but it's getting missed now because people are just so dead set on selling out just to make it that no one no one's being true could, to themselves. Uh, if there was a band that could relay that message, they would be it. Yeah, like I say though, I'm not I'm not the uh, not the biggest Rush fan, but I would have to put them on that list. I'd also have to put Kiss, and they I, I think put, they have uh, the greatest power ballad of all time with Beth. Yeah, I think it's definitely the most. I don't know, man. But I mean, I like "Better Roses" by Bon Jovi. I mean, that's a that's a power ballad. Yeah, didn't Journey have one that's really good? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Journey had. Uh, yeah, so I mean, that's a whole era of music right there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess you um, would have to put Journey on there, probably. Yeah, you probably would. But I mean, that's not my top five. But I mean, that's something that will come to mind. Dave Grohl's. <laughs> Foo Fighters. Yeah, the Foo Fighters. Yeah, they'll 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 go down, man. That's one of the greats, definitely. I think they've got a top five that's as good as anybody's. But here's my wild card. Okay. I think there are a ton of people that know five songs by this band, and they don't realize it. Oh, yeah. If you say that one right off, you're going to guess it. All these things that I've done. Yeah, I already know what it is. Somebody told me. Killers. Mr. Brightside, When You Were Young, Read My Mind, Runaways. <laughs> Smile like you mean it. Mm-hmm. Human spaceman. If you would have named any of those song names, I would have immediately known who it was. I'm a huge Killers fan. I love the Killers. They're, they're and they're another one of those bands because like, okay, you go out to a sport event, you're gonna hear Mr. Brightside, mm-hmm. and you may hear all these things I've done. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you do got soul, but you ain't a soldier. Mm-hmm. It's true. There's no truer words ever spoken. <laughs> What's your favorite killer song? Ooh, Johnny on the spot. No, no. It might be Read My Mind. Read My Mind is either one A or one B or one C. <laughs> and if it if it if it isn't if it ain't Read My Mind, it's Smile Like You Mean It. And it's that line on it's that line in the song that someone's gonna take her out down the same streets that I did. Mm-hmm. That, and that verse right there, I was like, Yeah, yep, that's a good one. <laughs> I got those two, and then I got Spaceman. I just, Spaceman's a really enjoyable song. Some really bad basketball is being played right now. Between Wait. the Wizards and the Kings. Oh, man. The Kings. They're a stinky warrior. They are the stinky, stinky warrior right now. <laughs> what about, let me ask you this question. Okay. What about bands with a really cool name that didn't live up to how cool the name was? Oh boy, that I have one right now. Gym class heroes. I don't even know any of their songs. I just know the name. I think you got a point. Yep. I gotta say, like honorable mention, but I like this band, so I'm not gonna throw any shade at them. But President of the United States. <laughs> How do you like that band? See, that's the thing. I like Dune Buggy <laughs> and I like Peaches. 
I like no, those. You don't. Yes, I do. I like those two songs. <laughs> you legitimately like peaches. Peaches come from a can. They were put there by a man. In a factory where downtown. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing. I'm gonna move to the country. I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches. So maybe, <laughs> maybe, won't. maybe won't. President of the United States is on this list. <laughs> but, yes, their five best songs are peaches five times. <laughs> so there's one. <laughs> <laughs> you know what blows my mind about America is that that song was the number one song in the country at one point. Yeah, millions of peaches, peaches for that guy. Vertical Horizon. What is that? That's a band. I thought it was a cool name. Perfect Circle. That's a power band too, but they only have like one yeah. or two. They're gonna be at Voodoo um, Fest. I think that. About, I think that's this weekend. I think it started. I think it started tonight. Think it, uh-huh. Yeah, I think it started on Friday night. I think it started tonight. Uh, Marilyn Manson's going to be there. Oh. I think the Killers are there. Probably so. There was a band that's there that I really wanted to see, but I wasn't going to go to New Orleans to see them. Uh, the Revivalist. I don't know who they are. I like them. How about Fleet Foxes? They have a cool name. Yeah, I know they one have, of their songs, and that's it. I was about to say, they have precisely one song. <laughs> so they got Mumford, Perfect Circle... Third Eye Blonde. You don't like Third Eye Blonde? Um, you what? They have a ton of hits, dude. They're like nostalgic 90s. I know. They, uh... They have one song. I got a confession. Go ahead. Like, Memphis and May, that, they were one of the reasons I was wanting to go. Really? And it was also one of them moments where I was immediately... Well, crap. It was like, it wasn't what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I do understand. He probably, I got to I got to hear like three or four of my favorite songs that they've done. I was really hoping to see slow motion. <laughs> that would maybe he closed with that. I don't know, but like he played like three or four songs, and it was like boom, 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 boom. And I was like, cool. I like those four, and I could leave now because Khalil was about to come on anyway. Yeah. And he went off on this rant speech for like five minutes about like I love you and you love me and we're all a big happy family. And I was like, oh, yep, I'm going. I'm out of here. See you later. I did not come to. Memphis and May to hear you talk about love right now. This is not the love movement, all right? <laughs> I came here to listen to some music. You're wasting my time by speaking right now. <laughs> Donald Glover's at Beauty Fest. I would have loved to see that. That would be cool. Yep. Night after that is Arctic Monkeys, 21 Savage, I like Arctic Monkeys. Mouse, and Judah and the Lion are the only ones I know. Yeah. I, I, I like all those bands. They also have a band playing called Space Jesus. Interesting. So that's good. There's so many there's so many band names out there, man, that are that were just really cool but it didn't lead up to it. I tell you a really cool one, I wish I would have thought of it first and it would be great for a two piece band. And they're a good band. I'd like to see them live one day. The Head and Heart. The Head and Heart? Yeah. That's a good name. I think that's clever, especially if it's they're not just two people, but that, that would be extremely clever if it was just a two-piece. So, uh, Love and the Outcome came to our church. I don't even know who that is. And, uh, they're a Christian band. They've had a couple of uh, radio play songs. but I, Man, I'll tell, the, you, I'll tell you where I am right now. I'm stuck in a weird place in the Christian genre right now. There's like... Because I only have a handful of artists that I listen to now because they all it's all beginning to sound the same and it's... Oh, man... Cause it all is, and it's all freaking. 
it's the fault of two bands, and number one is Casting Crowns, and number two is Toby Mac. Yeah. So you either are going to sound like Casting Crowns, or you're going to sound like Toby Mac, or you're not going to get on the radio. With the exception of Crowder. Yeah. But you're only going to hear Come As You Are. <laughs> He's got all my hope out right now. That one gets played. But, man, I heard Run Devil Run on the radio the other day. I was like, what the crap is this doing on here? <laughs> it's probably my least favorite Crowder radio song. Yeah. Not sure how it's even on the radio. It's weird That's how like it's close. weird like with a Crowder album and like when you're really familiar with Crowder, like this would be good on the radio, but it never gets there. And then there's one that gets on the radio, right. and you're like, why? My number one for that is probably Shadows. Yeah. Well, I think actually that did get on the radio, but I don't know. Yeah, that was a killer one. He's gonna be in Pigeon Forge when we take our youth up to. Uh, there's a youth conference. I think it's called. Okay. Uh, I always butcher the name of it. Strength to Stand, I think is what it's called. But anyway, Crowder's going to be there. I'm excited about that. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, one of the kids and or one of the kids, one of the teenagers in the uh, the youth, he's a huge Crowder fan. And I was like, cool. And he just started playing guitar. So I was like, me and no, you are going to have really good times, my friend. <laughs> Nobody likes Crowder anymore. Friendship. It's just me. Yeah, that's upsetting. I know. That is upsetting. That is. That's probably. I, I like what he did, man. And Dan Arbach did it a little bit later, which was cool. I love Folktronica, and then Dan Arbach did Rocktronica. He's got a band called The Arcs. They are really good. I like that electronic sound on... Isn't uh, Gold on the Ceiling a little bit of that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've they done that a little bit in Lonely Boy, but The Arcs is like straight up electronic. Really? Mm, it's really good, too. I love it. It's good. But I, I liked it when Crowder came out, and it was, it was, so, it felt so new. It was refreshing. First album was really good. Neon Steeple. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. think my favorite song. Off and that was that was one of the most uh, interesting uh, album names I heard in a long time too. Mm-hmm. And it couldn't it have been no, it too. couldn't have been no more. You know exactly. It made perfect sense. My favorite song on there, I think, is the one he did with Emmy Lou Harris. Mm-hmm. My Sweet Lord. My Sweet Lord, yeah, there it is. Yep, that sounds good. I haven't yet to figure out a way to play it yet. It's the weirdest thing. Like, I don't know what he does in that song, but it's like the thing where you either start out too low or you end too high. It's like every time. I can never figure out the right key to play it in. Somebody gave me the, them all. Somebody gave me the greatest compliment the other day, man. I, I could not believe it. It was like, your voice reminds me of like David Crowder. I was like, you serious? I was like, most of the time people say Tom Petty, and I just kind of walk away. <laughs> yeah. So like, thanks for nothing, Jerry. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I'm glad I sound like Tom Petty to you. In other words, dude, you can't <laughs> sing for crap. <laughs> Somebody told me that one time. I was like, why? You just sound really like Tom Petty. Okay. <laughs> thanks. It's, it's a complete <laughs> fart. <laughs> Everything you do is... I guess at least Four. I didn't. They didn't say like Bob Dylan. Yeah, that would that'd be okay. pretty. That, but he was a good storyteller. But mm-hmm. <laughs> not a great singer. No, like who's the worst famous singer I can think of? That's who you sound like. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate I was... you. I hate it when people tell you you sound like this person, and you like might think that person's a good singer, but you hate the way they sound. 
Okay, give me an example. Think, um, Besides Tom Petty. Who's the dude that did, uh, I think you like this guy, but I don't. The guy that did uh, Taylor Swift's album, Ryan. Ryan Adams. Or Brian Adams. Isn't it Ryan? It might be. It's, wait, yeah, Brian Adams is the guy that wrote 19, or 60, Summer of 69. Yeah, this is Ryan Adams. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, because he has another song that I like is uh, Come Pick Me Up. He's got another song. But, yeah, he covered that whole, what, 1989 album, Taylor Dunn. Yeah. And it was garbage. It was a garbage album. Um, but I, I did like one or two songs that he did off of that. Somebody compared you to him? Yeah, they're like, you sound like Ryan Adams. I was like. I want to choke you? <laughs> I was like, I'm about to get in a fight right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be great. I think I'm. I think I'm gonna cover a Taylor Swift song for the end of this show. I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna throw some. I'm gonna throw some 1989 out there. Maybe I can get one of them compliments. Exactly. <laughs> I ain't gonna do that. I might. Who knows? What else you got, dog? You wanna know who's gonna win the Super Bowl this year? Yeah, tell me. I'll tell you. It's gonna be the stinking Rams. Ooh, they. Ain't. When's the last time they've been there? Um, 2001. Okay. 2000. That would be that would be dope if they did. I'd be for it. Oh yeah. That's crazy because like they just recently moved cities. Yes. Yes, they. I think their stadium they play in now can hold up to like thirty thousand people, and that's it. That's smaller than a lot of college stadiums. It's really small. Um, Dude, I'm, we can close if we need to. Okay, I'm done over here. Yeah, I was about to say, it sounds like you're ready to pass out. I am. Well, dude, I appreciate you doing it. Glad to glad to get you in. No problem, I hope it all works out. It does, it will this time. Got, a, got everything straightened out for right now that was crapping on it. I don't know where that clicking sound came from, but that... That last recording that we had done, it wasn't even usable because that clicking was so annoying. It was like there was a metronome. Really? But I, I didn't have anything set. And it was so annoying because it would like always seem to hit when there was silence. And I was like trying to clip it and get it out. And I was like, I'm not going to do this in 4-4 four, four time yeah. all the way through. There's no way. Yeah. Anyway, dude, uh, appreciate you coming on again tonight. Looking forward to hearing from you again. Another, another good time, man. When you have Jordan on, we can do a, a Jesus episode or something like that. You have him on, and then call me right after or something like that, or clip in some other stuff we've talked about. Yeah, I've uh, we recently had one. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, well, it, it wasn't specifically a Jesus episode. Okay. I want to know how you know. We talked about like. Um, what it means kind of growing up in the South and like the chances you had of being exposed to Christianity and the impact that music can have on your worldview and the the importance of, and you don't have any control over it, of when you were born, where you were born, and how you were born, and how that is, that is your first hand that you're going to be dealt, and that's what you're going to have to overcome. Yeah. Let me give you a little bit of a... Uh brain stuff to chew on this next uh, couple hours or so okay. so the last um last sunday school lesson i did was uh i couldn't think of anything the whole week and then like saturday night i've been just kind of thinking about some stuff i was like what if i do it on this and it was the first two lines from uh fleet fox's one song say it ain't so, so it was it 
was. So he says, I was raised up believing I was somehow unique, a snowflake unique among snowflakes, distinct in each, in some way you can see. But now after some thinking, I'd say I'd rather be a functioning cog in some great machinery, serving something beyond me. That's and deep. Yes. So we took that and used it in conjunction with the, the two verses. We used them as like two separate um, independent clauses, I guess. So the first part being, this is what I was raised to believe, and then this is what I now believe. And I was like, so how does that interact with the way our society is now? And, you know, they give you like thoughts on it and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the twist was, well, being like that we're Christians, we actually get to have both of those things. Like we get to be unique. Uh, we get to be special, fearfully, wonderfully crafted works of art like that God did. And mm-hmm. then we also get to be part of something bigger than ourselves being like part of the body and stuff. So that one like went pretty good. Yeah. That's crazy you say and that, man. Versus, yeah, well, go ahead. Is it? Yeah, because like yeah. It, was, it was probably about on Wednesday nights, I've, I've rarely done like a preaching service. Like uh, Sunday morning is like typical Sunday school stuff. And then like some t- some Sunday nights, I haven't really been able to be there a lot on Sunday nights lately. Like if I if I pull the youth up Sunday night to teach, I mean, it, w- it would be more discussion. And then Wednesday nights all- is always discussion. And like granted, I have something prepared, but it's it's prepared to get them to think. And that, that was one of the things that I taught on that night was... Like, I just opened it up with, why? It was like, okay, well, this is really big and really weird. And I was like, well, I mean, why Why are we here? You know, why, why are we on this earth? You know, and I mean, you gave me give me a great Sunday school answer. Well, to serve God. Okay. I was like, no, really. I was like, because you're right, but you got to be more specific. Exactly. And it's finding, it's finding your place and being a part of something, which is important. But you got to understand that there is individuality and you are completely unique. And whatever this passion drive, whatever you're good at, could be something you're really bad at or uncomfortable with. Because he uses weakness to show his strength. Uh-huh. And I was like, so you have to find that and then excel in that. And you're not going to be the one doing the excelling. He'll be, do- he'll be doing it through you. Uh-huh. And that, that's how the glory is, is got. But it, it was, that was a good discussion. And it was along those same lines that what you're talking about. It's, okay, guys, how do we how do we get there? How do we find it? What what can we do to find it? And that that was the discussion that night. Mm, but what, that's pretty stinking good. What were the uh what were the Bible verses that you used? Psalm one thirty nine, fourteen. Mm-hmm. That's the fearfully and wonderfully made. Then Ephesians two ten, that's we are God's handiwork. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did a little uh I looked up a uh, commentary on that one and that one was really a good thing about being like what the Greek word for handiwork is and stuff, and that actually went on pretty well. Yeah. Um, I bet Aaron Jenner was uh, a big help on that. Was he there? Yeah, he was there, and I didn't... I, I do this every week, but I don't tell him everything I'm going to say, and I especially don't tell him if I have a twist in mind. Under pressure! Um, but I'll tell him like the background of it and what I'm thinking, and I'm like, okay, just be prepared to have something to go with it he'll be like okay mm-hmm. it was interesting because like the greek word for handiwork or craftsmanship is poema which is the word that we use for poems and stuff so like mm-hmm. we are literally like god's poetry and stuff yeah this commentary i was looking at it I was like, that's pretty cool 
I mean, I think when you read one thirty nine fourteen, I mean, you're fearfully, wonderfully made, and some of the other things that David followed up when he was talking about the creation, and like when you talk about things like that, you weren't there, but you, this was inspired writing. Yeah. <laughs> so it. How did he get inspired to say something like this? And it is, foundationally, it's true. Before I was in the womb, you knew me. Mm-hmm. And you were put here at this place at this time for a purpose. But we either run and scared from it or we just can't find it. Yeah. And, and a lot of us last, a lot of us just don't want it. That's Yeah, that's the part of it. So I do have another question. verse I used for the second part, the part where he's talking about I'd rather be a, a cog in a machine, First Corinthians Twelve talking about we are the body, mm-hmm. you know. So that's the second part of that. But the one I have for this week, I'm doing the same idea, but the lyric I'm using is from Manchester Orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> it's from The River, I think. Oh, cool. Um, off the second album. Uh huh. I think it's The River. I'm not sure. These songs kind of run together to me, but um, where he says uh. I think I talk to you best when I sing. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that it's easier for us to sing how we feel to God than it is to to pray to Him out loud. It's easier to just have conversations like that when we're singing. For some, I don't know if it's that way for everybody, but it's definitely easier for me just to sing a worship song than it is to start up just a conversation in prayer, you know? Yeah. Especially, and this is where I want to get to the meat of the lesson, but like especially if I have to confess something, like or if I have to ask for forgiveness. And I was that's like basically where the lesson is going right now. I haven't fleshed it out or anything yet, but that's my basic idea. Yeah. Is asking why that is, or if they feel that way, or what. I think you got the answer, man. We've been talking about it off and on all evening. It's this idea that music is expression and i mean i i find it true i mean on the guitar the piano it is easier for me to get out what i'm trying to convey with notes and then go back on top of that and add words i mean because some of the more personal songs that i've wrote they're songs that no one's ever going to hear but me and it's between me and my god and it's like you said it's confession it's thanksgiving it's it's things that are extremely personal to me and him. Yeah. Cause he's been he's been right there with me through all the bullcrap and through all the good That's times. What it is. Yeah. And it's it's That's it's it it's that expression is thank you in the midst of myself and how I get in my own way. Thank you for being there. What's crazy is like that's pretty much what Psalms is. <laughs> like. And that's why I love Psalms just, so much, man. <laughs> it's like David being like, "Hey, um, I'm very bad at being a good person. I'm very bad at like glorifying you. I keep on messing up, and it seems like kind of everybody wants to kill me right now. But in the midst of all that, have I told you lately that uh, it's really an honor to be like in your presence? And thank you for looking after me. And I know you're going to keep looking after me. All stuff like that and the crazy thing to me is like David basically wrote like a hundred hundred and songs yeah oh, it's over a hundred yeah <laughs> and just published them all <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah this is uh, how me and God been talking what about y'all 
Yeah. So, I mean, you've already referenced it when you said Psalm 139. That is my favorite psalm or possible chapter in the Bible. And, I mean, that when that was written, I want to say, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, I could be, I don't think that I am, but that was wrote after the adultery. And that was... That was getting it off the chest. No matter where I go, if I was to ascend to the heavens, you're there. If I was to ascend or descend into the depths of Sheol, you're there. My brightest bright isn't too bright. My darkest dark is not too dark for you. You're light. No matter where I go, I can't escape you. If I was to go to the deepest depths of the ocean, you're there. It doesn't matter. I can't get away from you and search me and you know me. Here I am. Well, this worthless rag, <laughs> but for whatever reason, Man, that's like that's like the weird like place I'm at right now. Is like I've been being used by God and stuff, and like that's really cool. Like He keeps on letting me be used and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's good. I just feel like I'm too old to be making the same freaking mistakes like over and over again, and that's like kind of the guilt thing that's weighing on me these days. I guess is. I'm really too old to be, I don't know, dude, like, I, I should be more of a grown-up than what I am, I guess. And oh, man, yeah, don't even, don't get, like, preach, man, <laughs> I'm telling you. That's like the the guilt part that gets in the way of uh, <laughs> my prayer life right now is, like, I tried to start praying the other day on my way to work for, like, five minutes, I just kind of sat there, finally, I was just like, I don't know what to even say, like, and I guess that was good enough because after then I started going. But like, man, like, how do you just enter into this time of communion with the all-knowing, all-loving, all-perfect God? Like, understanding that you yourself, I mean, for every all intents and purposes, like, aren't worth like this ain't worth guy. fifteen cents. <laughs> Run. I walk. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> this has been another Thanks episode of Port Style. Thanks, uh, thanks, Levi, for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. And remember, the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Take that to the bank. And A and M is going to lose this weekend. Shut your mouth. <laughs> All right, man. All right, see ya. Maybe it's ironic and contradictory, but doing a cover tonight. This is Keep Going Revivalist. And this isn't the original way of doing it. Like we were talking with Stained, uh, Aaron Lewis's cover of the song with the original intent versus Rascal Flats. But interpretation is important. It's a big part of it. And that was just one of the examples to why, oh, I like the original better. So I'm kind of pointing you to the original. So... Hope you like dumpster fire covers and this ain't this ain't really in my skill set. So there's a lot going on on this song, but anyway. And every cover is not gonna be good. But I wanted to do this song. I thought it was appropriate. So here you go. Said I'm pulling down the shoes for the long I never knew that I could feel so black and blue And I've been holding on to something Now for some time 
And now I know is it's a feeling fit for two Cause when that sunlight laid its head down on this dark night And I was talking to myself in the review Yeah, I got questions, but I know everything is alright All I have to do is just remember you Cause I'm never gonna lose you I got you deep inside my chest And I can feel you beating like the soul of a drama boy We gotta keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going Don't get what anybody say, let the law take us away We gotta keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going Can't what anybody say, let the law take us away I've been fake, I've been free, I've been you, and I've been me, and I will stand up tall for what I believe. I guess how odds I'd walk that trial of fear, and I tread on desperate leaves, and no one's leaving just yet. We all want that make-believe, tried in tribulation of who I come to be. The less I know, the more I learn how much love means to me And every day I'm walking out my front door I'm leaning on your ghost The best feeling of my day Is one thing I lean towards most We gotta keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going Don't care what anybody say Let the law take us away we gotta keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Don't care what anybody say, let the law take us away. All right, that was Keep Going by the Revivalist. Most of it. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.